For the 905 to every war, this is Schwa Wars. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Hayes, and on this week's episode, we're doing a very special rewind and rewatch of a special pay-per-view that happened almost five years to the date. And then later on in the broadcast, after a small commercial break, we're actually going to be doing a review of AEW's All-In. But before that, we are reviewing the very first All-In that they did before AEW even existed, the crowdfunding event that happened from Cody Rhodes, and of course the Young Bucks putting on this show in Chicago, Illinois. To be able to do this, of course, the right hand of the podcast, Mr. Jordan Lloyd. Jordan, how's it going? It's going good. You know what would have been way more funny? What? Is if you had said it's we're reviewing a pay per view event that's been almost five years since it happened and it was great balls of fire. No, <laughs> I mean I will gladly rewatch like some Ojo versus Brock Lesnar because I waited a long, long time for that match. There's like a long people waited a long, long time for another promotion or group of some kind to come up and challenge the WWF WWE at the time, and that's exactly what All In was, which of course you know sparked AEW to be debuting a year later. So, Jordan, before we kind of get into the actual review of the show, what was it like now thinking that this kind of show sparked what we know now with AEW, with them heading to Wembley uh, in just a few short days? Because while we're recording this right now, we are literally just three, four days away from all in 2023. So, I mean, it's strange. Because, like, just watching this back, you saw a lot of names and a lot of faces who, like, let's be honest, at that point were, I don't know if I, I don't know if saying the word nobodies is fair, but, like, they were virtual unknowns at this point. Like, the the general audience, the general wrestling fan would have no idea who half these people were back then. True. Now, the fact that they got a t- they got a TV deal and they've been going strong for the last three years and they've actually got a lot of eyeballs on their product. I mean, not as many eyeballs as the WWE, but it's it, they got a decent amount. Now it's like Ray Phoenix is like he's a well known name. Like we just saw him end this show. Yeah. Um. I mean, you got to think about it too, though. That this show was not made. For, it wasn't made for the casual. For the casual fan. Fan. It was made no. for the diehard fan. No, it was of made for not. the diehard fan that would follow like Ring of Honor at that point. Would follow a lot of the independents. Like the tagline for the show is literally called the biggest independent wrestling show ever. Right, and pretty much what it was. I mean, it was basically like a Ring of Honor show on steroids. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so like it's it's strange seeing that like the power of like the diehard wrestling fan has basically pushed the creation of a new company. To the point that they're now selling out with eighty what eighty eight thousand tickets in the UK mm-hmm. in a few days. So I mean, like it speaks to the passion of the diehard wrestling fan. Well, let's see exactly if this show actually held up to the hype. Is it still considered one of the greatest wrestling shows to ever take place on pay per view? Not my words, but there have been critiques and uh, people that have actually said that. Can uh, I can I can I throw in my overall thoughts on that? Sure. I mean, hold on before you do. One person. Uh, John Moore from ProWrestling.net uh, recommended the event and uh, also believe Sports Illustrated called this a near-perfect pay-per-view debut. Okay, so near-perfect pay-per-view debut, one of the greatest wrestling shows of all time. The answer to both of those comments is no, and good lord, no. Um, it's a fun show. It's a fine show. That doesn't mean that it's not also loaded with ridiculous bullshit. 
Yeah. Which we'll get into as we go on as we go through the matches. Yep. Uh, speaking of the matches too, I just want to throw out there as well. Meltzer apparently gave six matches on this card, four stars or higher. And despite the main event, which we will obviously talk about being cut significantly due to time because they ran out of time, as you will, if you ever go back and rewatch the show, you will understand why. Even with that short amount of time, Meltzer still gave that match four and a half stars. What? I'm being completely serious right now. Okay, not only does he have like some kind of early onset dementia, but his bias is so clear. Well, he gave. He gave a match that how long did they how long did that really go it for? Thirteen minutes. He gave a match and went thirteen minutes, almost five fucking stars. Well, there were moves and they did flips. We're, we're, we're jumping ahead here. Let's let's go to the opening match. We're not talking about the pre-show right now because, uh, quite frankly, it wasn't on the feed that we had and uh, we didn't want to waste more of our time. So the first <laughs> matchup on the card uh, was Matt Cross, M Dog Twenty, taking on Maxwell Jacob Freeman, MJF. Never heard of that guy before. Um, they it's, went nine minutes and 23 seconds. Yeah. Fun little opening match. I thought yeah. between the two of them, ultimately M dog 20 actually getting the victory with uh, a four fifty splash. I believe it was, or some sort of aerial maneuver on MJF. And this is one of those things that you were talking about. Like it was the, a shooting star press. Thank you. The yeah. shooting star press and literally going from the virtual unknown to now being the world's heavyweight champion here in right. AEW. Like talk about a turn of events. Uh, overall, like I said, fun little opening match. Did what need to do, 10 minutes in and out, and it was a good way to showcase. I don't. It's kind of funny, almost in, in hindsight, did the right guy win at the time? And would you have still booked it? Or is it like it just... I think the right guy won. I mean, if it's a... If it's the, if this show was like the first of its kind, and you want to start You want to start off on a good note and make the fans happy, so like you would make like an indie darling like M-Dog take the W in the first match. Any it, other thoughts? It's it is strange seeing how far MJF has come from this point up until now. Same theme song too. Same theme song. I mean, it's strange. It's strange looking at it, looking at him back then and being like, he looks like a child back then. Like he looks way younger. And really, it was, realistically, it was what like only five years ago. Yeah, almost five years to the day. Like he looks way younger, and the transformation that he's done with his body since then. Is tremendous. Put in the work for sure. Like he he put in the work and he put in the effort to actually make himself look like a star. Not that he did. Not that he wasn't a star then, or he didn't have the potential to be a star. But like now, you could see the difference of how he's transformed himself into a star from that point. Still had a lot of the same mannerisms. Still had a lot of the same attitude, which is what people love about MJF. But yeah, like he's he's one of the ones I think that has come the most far. Well. Definitely, that was one of the cases when it came to MJF in this matchup. Of course, we'd like to mention, too, when it comes to All-In 2019, this was pretty much like a Bullet Club show. Like, yeah. anyone Bullet Club at this point, for especially for, like, the, the Gaijin wrestlers, they were pretty much featured in a prominent role on this card, even with the banner of the Bullet Club logo being, like, front and center pretty much the entire time on the Titan Tron. Like, which, this would have been, like, this would have been, like, NWO, like... Sold out. Well, it sold out. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. This is like the equivalent of that. Well, the next matchup featured said Bullet Club members as the next matchup uh, was the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels being accompanied by Frankie Kazarian Scorpio Sky taking on Stephen Amell being uh, accompanied in the ring by Josh Segura. Is that, am I saying that his name correctly? Yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, uh, Stephen Amell, an honorary member of the Bullet Club because, yeah. And, who, was, uh, who wasn't at that point? Yeah, why not? And uh, the match went 12 minutes, 30 seconds. 
Okay, I'll, I'll start. You, I was going to say, you want to break this one down more than welcome to. So, it went about eight minutes too long. <laughs> Fair enough. I like Stephen Amell. Like, he's a great natural athlete. Like, he clearly had a passion to try the try out the pro wrestling business. Good physique. I mean, if you ever took if you ever, if you ever wanted to take it seriously, I mean, he's on heels now where he would have had to have had more training to actually do a lot of his stunts because that's what he does. He likes to do a lot of his own stunts. Right. Um, like, he clearly had a bit of a passion to try to do it because that was his second match. Like, his first match was on a, a goddamn pay-per-view, the WWE on SummerSlam that year. Or maybe the year before. The year before. Um, so, like, I don't fault him for actually wanting to put the work in and try, but, like, it's very clear that he he did not have hardly any experience. He was not good at selling. He was pretty much would just go from, like, the next spot to the next spot to the next spot with very little actually, like, yeah, selling. He, he didn't know how to sell. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, and we were noticing this, like, near the, the three-quarter of the way mark as well. He also got really gassed. That's what exactly what I was going to talk about. Is like, you can be in shape all you friggin' want. But there's a difference between that and being in ring shape, and yeah. he was clearly not in ring shape. It was very clear and evident that he was really super gassed. But they also had the right teacher in there with Christopher Daniels being able to lead that match yes. as best it could, so... They, I will give them props, and they were doing what they could. I think they just overstayed their welcome a little bit. more. They did, than... and if they were gonna do, th- and if they were gonna do things that they ended up doing later on in the night, say in the street fight that we're gonna talk about, this match had no reason to have a table in it. No, I but, mean, but yeah, we're, we're we got a whole lot more to still talk about. Yeah, also... so like it was fine for what it was, but like Stephen Amell clearly had no business having longer than a, a, a six minute match in the ring, and he hasn't since. So clearly. Other people agree with me. Yep. Next matchup on the card was a four-corner survival matchup between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the mess, hot mess, rather, Chelsea Green, Madison Rain, and Tessa Blanchard. Ultimately, Tessa Blanchard getting the victory in that matchup, the match going 12 minutes and 41 seconds. If you would have told me five years ago, pick one of the four of these women, and they're currently going to be holding a championship belt of some kind in the WWE. would have been Tessa Blanchard. You would have been Tessa Blanchard, and we would have been like, yeah, we're getting Tessa Blanchard versus Rhea Ripley. We're getting Tessa Blanchard versus Charlotte Flair or Bianca Belair. Nope. None of that shit. Her unprofessional attitude derailed all of that. Yeah. Or even just like a baby Britt Baker coming out to the ring. Like she was like no confidence in herself. She didn't have her own theme music. She had Adam Cole's theme music. Well I think she was just doing that to pay homage to her to her boyfriend at the time, but Yeah, yeah. sure. And of course, you know, Chelsea Green get again, give Chelsea Green that. She puts on a character and gets like her teeth sticking into something and she really likes she it. She goes all in. She goes all in. Ironically. I gotta got <laughs> ah. and I gotta respect her for that. Madison Rain again, you know, a veteran at that point, still been around so I mean, it was a fine four-way matchup. Ultimately, Blanchard gets the victory. Again, yeah. she moves like a goddamn star. It's just, it's a real... She watching built this... Like a, built like a brick shithouse, too. It, watching this, it's just, it's a real shame of how the world... Not the world, rather, but it's a real shame of how things transpired and how her real... Personality? Personality. Derailed her, with her potential? Exactly. And so it's just one of those things, like, imagine what could have been. Like in an alternate universe, you know what I mean? Had, so, yeah, like, had you been on the straight and narrow and actually done your job? Exactly. And also not been a bully backstage? So, because of that, it's just, it. it's sad to see what it could have been, rather than... I mean, Tessa Blanchard now. was a, a world champion. Yeah. Like, Ka- overall world champion, not just a women's world champion. Yeah, beat Sammy Callahan for the Impact World title. And now right? where is she? I don't yeah. even know. She's on I, WoW? I don't even know she's on WoW. 
Yeah, so like she's basically disappeared. She's from on. The... She's on where? Yeah, she's disappeared. <laughs> from I'm, the... I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to find out. Actually, while we're just, I'm just scrolling. Right trying now. to find out what happened to her. I'm just trying to see where she is right now. I could have sworn the last I heard she was on Wow, like the rebooted Wow. I for people who don't know what that is, Women of Wrestling. It's a reboot of a really old show that used to be around. Yeah, I can't find anything right now. But anyways, that's completely fine. So anyways, Tessa Blanchard ultimately gets the victory. Next matchup on the card is a singles match for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship between Cody, no last name Rhodes, uh, being accompanied the ring by Brandy Rhodes, Diamond Dallas Page, Glacier, and Tommy Dreamer uh, to take on Nick Aldis, the current champion of the time, with Jeff Jarrett, Samuel Shaw, Sean Davari, and Tim Storm. Wait a minute. Hold on. Put the brakes on for a second. Glacier, yes, apparently came One of those people was Glacier? Yes. How did I not realize that? Well, it's because he wasn't coming out in his super cool uh, Mortal Kombat gear. That's fucking awesome! (laughs) That's like the greatest corner group you could ever have! Uh, This matchup... I didn't realize that! This matchup went 22 minutes and one second... Uh, I love Glacier. A lot, lot of build going obviously into this as much as they could. Of course, you know, for budgetary reasons, they don't. Have, they're not the WWE at this point, right? Obviously, so you know they had a little small vignette package kind of leading up to the situation in their match. Uh, fine wrestling match between the two of them. I am a fan of all this. I've always have been, and same with Cody. I don't know why some people of our friend group give him the hate that he does, but which one, Cody or Aldis? Aldis. Oh, I know who you're talking about, too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand it either. Yeah. I don't understand why people don't see the appeal of him. Like, he's an old-fashioned, classic heel. Yeah. Fuck Josh. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, again, it was a fine match, and then ultimately Cody uh, got to hold the world championship belt the same as his daddy. That his help father helped make famous. Yep. Yeah. Five years later, he was still trying to do the new same story with the <laughs> WWF championship. Uh, but be that as it may, he got to hold the 10 pounds of gold, beating all this for that championship. Uh, even got to see DDP hitting a diamond cutter for some reason on Sh- uh, Sean Davari. Brandy also took a full-blown elbow drop off the, off the top rope. Yep. Right in the squad. She sold that like a million dollars. Yeah, and then, came back two, think... and then came back two matches later. Yeah. Sometimes I don't think she gets enough credit. Like, she does that. She takes abuse sometimes in matches that, like, I feel like people overlook. Let, let's, no, no. Let's, let's say that. Before AEW... She was a great addition to the role for Cody. Yes. And AEW, when she had her own ego and her own show and all of this other sure, stuff. Sure. No. Yeah, and then her own faction? absolutely not. Sure. She didn't need that. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying was sometimes I don't think she gets enough credit for like the abuse she's willing to take in a match. No, I get that. And of course, like I said, we'll see her later and on I the mean, show. It had the good old classic uh, retread. Fin- I mean, I say retread, but like it's a great finish. Of the sunset flip counter into like the double holding the double legs into the three counts, very Brett and Davy. Yep. From SummerSlam, um, I'll say it. This should have been the main event. Oh, a hundred percent should have been the main event. Like the way I'm it, glad it didn't, based on the time things that would have happened. Right, but, but what I would have done is I would have laid the show out differently and had this be the main event where you could have actually let this sink in because I remember you even made the comment too. Like after the three count happened, they didn't play music for maybe a good twenty five seconds. Yeah, they let the moment sink in. They let the moment sink in. They let the pop get louder. And then when it was announced that he was the new NWA champion, then the music hit. So, like, it, all that was done perfectly. Yep. Well, it was great. And then he lost the title. 
probably back to Aldous. I think it was like a couple weeks later. <laughs> Whatever, he had the moment, so that's all that matters. Again, this was a Bullet Club show for the most part. They were going to run, run, and you know, win most of their matches. You know, spoiler alert. Next matchup on the card is something that uh, nobody wanted, but we got anyways. It was a Chicago street fight. Hangman Adam Page with a vignette beforehand, of course, you know, talking to his boots. and he, he murdered a man. He murdered Joey Ryan with a telephone, and I'm sure all the people that were fans of being the elite were just overjoyed to see this blood feud come to an end here. Uh, between, of course, Hangman Adam Page and Joey Janela, of course, accompanied by Penelope Ford at the time. Uh, this match went 20 minutes and 8 seconds. Felt about, longer. What about 17 minutes too long? Okay. <laughs> Uh, Paige looked good. I will say this. Like, oh, no. well, I will agree. It felt way longer than 17 minutes. Paige looked good. I will admit, Janela, I give a lot of hate for, and he deserves it. <laughs> uh, because quite frankly, he, he's garbage for most of the time. But he, at least in my opinion, this was one of the better Joey Janela outings that I've seen him do. And maybe that's because he wasn't surrounded by shit. I mean, granted, it was still a street fight. He was still doing hardcore stuff, but like... This was the better, if I had to pick a Joey Janela match to watch again, this would be the one. And the only one. You know, that's not saying much. I know it's not saying <laughs> much, but whatever. Uh, ultimately, Paige got the victory, you know, hitting, uh, I believe it was the dead eye off the top of the ladder through, through the table. Through a fucking table. Because, um, you know, he just had to murder the man, you know, again. Oh, wait, he had to hit him with the telephone that was inside the bag after he reached in the other bag, and yeah, he the other his bag boots. had his boots that talked to him for some reason. Like, this is this was fucking ridiculous. Like, I, 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 there, I realize there wasn't anything about this that made any sense. Like, if you want to find a match that's insulting, you want to find a match in a build that's insulting to your intelligence. This is it. All right. Well, you know what the boots talking reminded me of? Oh God, this should be good. Does everybody? I'm a Simpsons fan. Do you remember the episode where they went to the, the music festival and Otto was like, yo, man, my shoes are talking too. And he goes down to his shoes because he's high out of his mind and the shoes are talking to him. That's literally what this was. Well, a pair of cowboy boots talked to a pro wrestler. We were supposed to take it as believable. Well, we're bearing the lead here because after the matchup, Hangman uh, Page oh, we're, oh, it gets better. There. It gets better. Joey Janela rose from the... Oh, not Joey Janela. Joey Ryan rose from the dead uh -huh. by getting a boner. Yes. On on, on a pre-tape, yes. <laughs> on a pre-tape. And then was brought Pen back to the ring by, penis Dru by druids, but not normal druids. They were penis druids. Yes. They were grown men wearing giant inflatable penis outfits. Yes. This happened. Yes. People paid to have this happen on pay-per-view. Yes. They came out doing the Undertaker, like, Druid thing. Joey Ryan came out, beat the shit out of Hangman, and then the penises then carried the lifeless body of Hangman Adam Page to the back. Page would be a world champion a couple of years later. Just want to throw that out there. Does that make sense to anybody after hearing what we're talking about right now? Well, let's just move on. The less we talk about Joey Ryan, the better. Next matchup on the card is for a singles match for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, between Jay Lethal, who got snapped back into a Slim Jim and turned into the Macho Man. Of course, his old Black Machismo gimmick from TNA. Uh, being accompanied by Leaping Lanny Poffo. 
That was kind of a cool thing. Uh, defeating Flip Gordon, who originally won. You forgot a... that you forgot to mention he was wearing the authentic wrestling gear of Macho Man. Well, I was gonna, Savage. I was gonna get there. All right. Defeating Flip Gordon, who won a battle royal earlier in the night to earn this opportunity, uh, with Brandy Rose uh, dressed as a private in her corner. Hence why I said Brandy would be coming out later. Uh-huh. Um, you know what? And again, as you were saying off the top, yes, wearing authentic gear from the WCW days of the Macho Man, which was. A really cool thing, and I'm sure like Sav- or Savage, wow. I think Lethal would have really appreciated that at the time, and for that to happen. Fun fun little spots at the beginning of the thing I really liked, the whole, like, you know, Lethal pretending that Brandy was Elizabeth and making him sit in the corner and doing all this stuff and, like, stay here, oh yeah, whatever. And, like, just, honestly, I, I, I like this match. It was actually a lot of fun, and even just for, like, the wrestling involved, yeah, there was some stupid shit with, like, the slapping back and forth, and you'd be like, he's Black Machismo, he's Jay Lethal, he's Black Machismo, Jay's Lethal. So, yeah, was there a little bit of silly stuff? Sure. But for the most part, for an actual entertaining match that went only, you know, 14 minutes and 21 seconds, I could buy this. It was a good match. You? You could have cut this and it wouldn't have mattered. I, I, I get that, but I mean, if, if I'm going to choose a couple of matches on this show to like, this is going to be one of them. I mean, that's fair. I mean, it was a, it was a fine match, just to the to, did it serve a pur- real purpose to the overall show? Not really, but like, I feel like you could have seen this on like a Ring of Honor TV taping, and it would have been the same thing. Well, the next matchup that a lot of people were waiting for to see, this was an actual dream match at the time, it was a singles matchup uh, that was featuring the cleaner Kenny Omega taking on Penta L Zero. Uh, this matchup went 17 minutes and 47 seconds. Omega just... Looks way different than Way different. Like, <laughs> holy crap. Different. He was smaller here, he was leaner, didn't really have a lot of muscle definition. I mean, still, you know... Tremendous Still athlete. in great shape, but like he was not as well defined and like toned as he is now. Yeah. And of course, you know, just the matchup itself, I mean, it was exactly what you expected to. I feel like, and we were talking about this too. This is one of those matches where, especially with these two people who you see on AEW TV pretty regularly over the last five years or four years, that you can put this match, you can put the AEW logo in the corner, and you're like, yep, this was the main event of Dynamite. Because it felt like one of those type of matches. Just be the greatest hits of what you would see in a main event of Dynamite. And you know what? That could be, and that's good. And that's also... But we're know. also looking at it from a perspective of we've seen that now happen several times that we, we've come to know what to expect. But are we expecting that because we've seen those matches for the last several years? Probably, pro- probably yes. Because at the time, I'm sure when this first came it out... Probably a lot hadn't hap- not- it probably hadn't happened at all, no. or it only happened very very briefly. So, like, very sparingly. But your overall thoughts on the match? It was good. I mean, I'm I'm not a fan of some of the stupid things that Kenny Omega has done in the past that have kind of like ridiculed the wrestling business and made it look bad. Are you talking about fighting a seven-year-old girl? And the blow-up doll. Yes. And I'm pretty sure he wrestles an invisible man, too. Um, not a fan of that. But can I, can I not deny the fact that... The man can put on an entertaining match when he has to, and put on something that you'll remember. You'll remember it when you leave the building. Like that will be the match that sticks out to you. No, I can't deny that. No, and gotta give him credit too. Out of all the things that he does, and we shit talk in the sense of like when it comes to modern wrestling, of like it's a Tekken game where you'll hit fifteen different combos and you'll kick out of all of them. You'll hit everyone else's finisher and you do all this type of stuff. That one wing angel. After all these years, it's still protected as fuck. It is, yeah. 
It is. And also, too, with Kenny Omega, like, when he takes other people's finishers and also when he takes his other people's moves in general, like, he takes the dirtiest brunt of all of it. Like, he took a package pile driver in this that he landed right on the top of his head. Yeah, he doesn't mind crippling himself for the sake of a move. No, he doesn't. To, to put over another guy's move. Does he have the facial expressions of a Ricky Steamboat or, you know, a Ricky Morton where it's like you believe in the selling that he's going through the pain? No. No. But does he have the body anguish of like, you know what, I'm going to fuck myself up right now. Yeah, so like, you got to give it up to him for that. Like, I even said too, it's like, the, what Kenny Omega basically is, is he's the equivalent of an anime character if he was a pro wrestler. Which, again, if he ever hears this, I'm sure that would be the biggest compliment in the like, world. Like, the, the way he sells, the, his mannerisms, the way he moves, like, he literally would be the embodiment of an anime character. Uh, next matchup on the card, I believe there was... Oh, wait, no, we forgot about the thing. The lights went out for about 12 and a half minutes, and then afterwards, Penta's lying in the ring, and then it turns out that it's Chris Jericho dressed as Penta, who kicked the shit out of Omega, challenged him to see him on the, the Jericho cruise. Which, which, we, which we... Pretty much both looked at each other and was like, what if he just doesn't go on the cruise? Yeah, <laughs> like, what, if he, what, what, if, what if he just says no? Like, what gets him on the boat? <laughs> <laughs> Revenge. And then, once he's on the boat, what's stopping him from just kicking the shit out of him for the entire cruise? Yeah, so... Like, he can just find his cabin and beat the shit out of him in his bed. So that happened. Uh, next matchup in the card uh, was a singles matchup between the Rainmaker, Kasuchika Okada, taking on the villain, Marty Scurll, representing Bullet Club. Now, this matchup what? went 26 minutes and 5 seconds... Yeah, if we want to go back on the topic of it's a shame that people's real personalities ended up derailing their careers, mm. you, you want to take this one? I, look, at the time, <laughs> five years ago, I was a big Marty Scroll fan. Like, his in-ring work, the look of the, 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 the character, the nickname, the music, the, 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 the gimmicks on him, and all that stuff. Like, I, like, out of all the Bullet Club members, I think Marty Scroll was probably my favorite, especially at that time. And to see this, especially getting an opportunity as a junior heavyweight to go against Okada at the time, I remember this, and I was very much looking forward to this, and I knew this could be a make-or-break moment within his career. It's amazing now, five years later, that of all the names on here, when it comes to the Bullet Club and people that have moved forward in their career and what they've done, that this guy, because of his own transgressions and the shit that he did to himself and his own life, have now altered his career path forever. And in the eyes of wrestling fans. So it's just, it's a real shame that his true persona and those true things have had to come out and those things have happened. Not the fact that, like, they, you know, for him, because God forbid, I feel bad for the people that he hurt and stuff like that. And that, you know, is just absolutely horrible. But it's just like, it's, ama it's amazing, like, one of those, like, what if scenarios. It's like what we talked about with Tessa Blanchard. Like, in the alternate universe. Like, what if that never happened? Where she would be right now in, like, WWE or, you know, wherever. Or maybe if AEW was still around. Marty Scrolls kind of like one of those same things. It's just, it's a real shame that... He would have the... definitely had a job in AEW by now. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he, or, in, or Impact. Or Impact. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have made it in the WWE. Or if they brought him in, they would have changed him and it wouldn't have worked. But if he was still around and all those things never happened and he didn't do any of the things that he did, he definitely would have for sure had a job in AEW. But the actual matchup here between the two of them, great match. In my opinion, probably, besides Cody and Aldis, best match on the card. And it's yeah, not because of the yeah. fact that they had time or anything like that. It's just because you had two great workers at the time going in there and trying to tell a story. Of course, the junior heavyweight and the heavyweight. You know, being able to... Which they played into that a lot. Which they definitely played into that a lot. Okada is just... Okada's Okada. I mean, we were making the joke earlier, we were like, oh, imagine this, like, five, six years before this, he was 
you know, the Green Hornet he lackey. Was K- for, he was Kato. <laughs> he was Kato for Samoa Joe in Impact, and now he's considered worldwide as one of the greatest wrestlers of our modern time. So it's just amazing to see. So ultimately, Rainmaker, boom, one, two, three. I think he hit it like twice. Well, yeah. It, it usually, he usually winds up hitting the finish like six or seven times now. Yeah. It's crazy to think that, like, yeah, Marty, there's Marty Scroll. There was Tessa Blanchard, but like Joey Ryan was another one that got kicked out of the wrestling business. Oh, good. So for it's good like reason though. Yeah, Obviously. for a good reason. Well, Marty Scroll was a good reason too. All of them were. It was for a lot of the same reasons for, for those two guys. Um, it's crazy to think how many people that were on the show have been kicked out of the wrestling business since then. Yep. Like who floundered and who like just rose from the ashes, you know? Yeah. But that was our co-main event, and at this time we were looking at the clock and we we're like, "Fuck, there's like." It's 16, seven, yeah, 17 th- minutes left. 17 minutes ma- left, and they still had to do entrances, and we were on to our main event. It was a six-man tag matchup uh, featuring the Golden Elite, Kota Ibushi, Matt, and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, to take on the team of Bandito, Ray Phoenix, and, of course, the legendary Ray Mysterio. Uh, this matchup ultimately only went 11 minutes and 48 seconds because, of course, they were running low on pay-per-view time, mainly because of the fact that the penises from the prior match had to come out and do their spot, and all the other things. You know, just... It's a bunch of guys that are not usually used to booking for pay-per-view and all this stuff, and they ever, everyone wanted to get their shit in, and ultimately the main event had to suffer, which is why I'm glad, because of all this, that Cody and uh, Aldis did not go in the main event, because they could not have been able to tell the story that they, they wanted to in that short a period of time. Now, any good professional can, it's just when you have these six individuals in the main event, <laughs> you knew they're just like, okay... Hit the Mario Star Power. We're going. We're going for broke. And they just like, went for I, it. If I had to guess, I would. I would be willing to bet that they probably did not cut a single spot they had planned out of this match. Probably not. They probably legitimately crammed everything that they had planned into this in like thirteen minutes. Just like we're cramming everything into this right now. Yes. Like somehow they did it. They went off the air literally. Ian Riccoboni didn't even finish doing his send-off, and they were off the air. Yep. I mean, again, of course, the referee was uh, referee... Rick Knox. Rick Knox. Shocking. Yeah. Of course it was. Personal, the Bucks' personal referee. I don't even know why... And bag they, carrier. Yeah. I don't even know why they need a referee. Like, they don't... He doesn't officiate when they're in the ring, so, like, why do they need a referee? I, I don't know, but in any event. Uh, so, the Golden Elite ultimately got the victory... Uh, you even said, too, it's funny to think that, like, all these years later that the only one that would have gotten to the WWE was Rey Mysterio again. Yeah. Like, none of these other guys went. Nope. But, again, be that as it may, that was the actual end of All In 2019. Uh, looking back now, Jordan, positive, negative, match of the night, anything, you closing comments you want to see here, and how different is it obviously going to be, in your mind, just a couple of days out now from All In 2023? And what do you think? Are we going to see a better show in a couple of days, or are we just going to see pretty much the same thing that we just saw now, just five years? No, ahead? I don't think we're going to see the same thing we saw now because this was clearly a show that was booked by people that didn't really have booking sensibility. And Tony Khan does. No, let, <laughs> let me finish. Let me finish. This was clearly booked by people that didn't have the uh, like booking sensibility. Tony doesn't really have much better booking sensibility, but at least he knows how to structure a show pretty well. This to, one, to an extent, yes. To an extent. This one was not structured well. 
matches that went way longer than they should have shouldn't have, and other matches that went way shorter should have been longer. <clears throat> and certain, like I said, the, the main event should have been a completely different match. I don't think we're going to see the same thing. Does this hold up like I think like other people say it does? I don't think so. No. Like there's things that are like so overly ridiculously stupid that they put on this that like people just will look will look at with rose colored glasses and just choose to overlook. Sure. It's almost in the same sense like WrestleMania one wasn't perfect, but it's got the nostalgia factor. Because it's the first one. Yeah. All in, the, all in the, is going to do the same thing because of the history that went behind it. Yeah. People won't look at the quality; they'll just look at the history. Right. Which, and I guess that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But to say it's the great one of the greatest wrestling shows of all time is not accurate at all. Best match on the card and worst match on the card. The best one, to me, was Cody and all this mm. for being just the best straight-up, pure wrestling match mm-hmm. with a story to tell, that they took their time, they didn't rush, they didn't do anything overly ridiculous. Everything had a point, everything had a purpose. The right guy won. They let it sink in. They didn't rush it like a lot of other promotions do, where it's like, all right, Cody won the title. Let's move on to the next thing. No, that was just the main event. Right. Um, that still stuck out to me. Like, I remember we were watching it. Like, I was calling things that were going to happen because I actually remembered it. Like, it stuck in my mind. It was memorable. The worst, <coughs> probably, I mean, the street bike was probably the worst. Yeah. Not just because of the awful build that went into it, but, like, it was just... The chicanery in it? Yeah, like, car crash spots for the sake of doing them that didn't really have a purpose or any need. And what happened afterwards, and the, like, yeah, the whole reason they did the match, like, yeah, for me, the Street Fight was the worst match of the show. Well, I would probably have to agree with you on most of that front as well, um... Again, overall, I get. I think that the show itself did its purpose, and I think we did its purpose by covering it right now. And like I said, we are just a couple of days away from All In 2023. But for you guys, it's only going to be literally be three seconds because we're going to do a quick edit, probably commercial, and on the way on the other side, we will be reviewing AEW's All In 2023. God help us all. Ladies and gentlemen, November 17th at the Rockpile, Heavy Metal Legends Anvil will be returning. That's right, the hometown appearance, Metal on Metal, will be heard as Anvil returns to the stage at the Rockpile, Dundas Street in Etobicoke, with special guest King Moonracer from Oshawa, Ontario, opening the show. Please see Gentleman Jeff to get your tickets because that's the only way he'll get paid with his band playing there. Tickets are only $30, so pick up your tickets now, November 17th. Rockpile, Anvil. Watch the movie again, Anvil, the story of Anvil, available everywhere, wherever you pirate your videos. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Um, This may seem like just only a quick edit for you, uh, but it's been like three or four days for us, and uh, quite frankly, the wrestling world's been flipped upside down since then. Uh, we didn't talk about it at the very beginning of the show, but we would be remiss if we did not mention uh, quickly the passings of the WWE Hall of Famer Terry Funk, and of course the late Wyndham Rotunda, aka Bray Wyatt. Um, just what the hell? <laughs> like, of course, there's been other a couple of celebrity deaths that have happened too, with Bob Barker and. Uh, the name escapes me right now, the person who played Harley Quinn. 
But regardless of what we're trying to say is it's just it's been a hell of a week and again for you guys it's only been like 10 seconds but as you guys are here thank you um before we get into aew and just kind of do that any quick memories or thoughts that you want to reminisce or talk about when it comes to terry funk or bray wyatt for yourself jordan i mean bray wyatt is very i wouldn't i can't say he was feel like he was underappreciated for how creative of a mind he actually has. Like, I put something up after I found that out, and I was like, dude, his creative mind, like, what he brought to this world, like, that people didn't really... He may have had a lot of outside-the-box ideas that didn't click well with a lot with everybody, more so towards the end of his life and the end of his career, but at least he had the creative drive and the creative urge to be different stand out and not just be like everybody else and like the wrestling business sometimes has an issue of people who don't try to stand out but like for me he'll always stick out to me because of that like he tried to be different right from the get go like yeah he was Husky Harris but like after after Husky Harris is pretty much to me where his career started right uh, Terry Funk I mean Terry Funk's one of the greats I mean ECW was barely legal, right? The first pay-per-view? 1997. That'll always be a standout moment. Like, Paul Heyman pretty much booked the perfect ending to their first pay-per-view, have Terry Funk win the ECW title after going through that three-way dance, and then beating Raven immediately afterwards, like, to show that he could still do this at his advanced age at that point in his career. Um, he's one of the greats. It's sad that he deteriorated so much in the last few years. Like, I watched a video of him it was when he made, like, a cameo appearance on Raw maybe, like, seven or eight years ago with Moxley. And if you look at him then and you look at him now, like, it didn't even look like the same guy. Mm. Like, he deteriorated that much, and it was sad. But, like, he left a lasting legacy. Terry Funk loved the fans, like, probably more than probably more than they'll ever give him credit for uh, to, do, to do some of the crazy shit that he did for them through his career. One of the greats, he'll be missed. Well, it is very sad, and we do uh, send our, you know, condolences to the fans, the friends, and of course the families of uh, those individuals involved, and of course the celebrities that we also mentioned off the top as well. There's no really good transition we can kind of go from that, and I wish we can kind of put another ad break right here, but unfortunately we can't. Uh, so you know, AEW, um, yeah, just happened. Um, just yeah. a couple. Yeah, no, wrong <laughs> wrong company. Um, AEW All In 2023 just happened as of an hour ago for us as we are recording this. Quite the difference compared to 2019, I will say. And I'm not just talking about the 80 some odd thousand people that apparently broke, you know, pro wrestling history attendance the big, records. Yeah, well, the, we'll, we'll talk about well, that another time. I don't know if that can be disputed or not, but I mean. No, it can be disputed, but we won't. We'll right. bother doing that right now. Well, of course, especially for time purposes and whatnot. Of course, uh, this took place uh, as you are listening to this on August the twenty seventh. Uh, the disputed number is eighty one thousand and thirty five people were in attendance for this, as it was tagline the biggest event in wrestling history. Uh, the first match opened the show on the pre show. The Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships on the line 
as the toll of Better Than You, Baby, MJF, and Adam Cole took on Aussie Open. Um, you I know came, what? I fun, came, fun tag match. Yeah, I was going to say, I came in a little late, so I can't really speak on this, so you guys got to take the reins on this one, because I missed most of it. I mean, again, crowd really liked it. It was a fun tag match. It was exactly what you expected it to be. I thought we were going to get a little bit more seeds planted for the main event, but of course they did uh, you know, their own thing for the main event when it came time to that. Uh, really didn't show any type of dissension, no miscues or anything like that. Finally got that fucking double clothesline. And, and the, the kangaroo and kick. I was going to say, and the dreaded kangaroo kick over, which the place exploded. Like, you to show you. Because, you, you know, know Bret, Bret Hart getting pinned by Bulldog 92, kangaroo kick. Well, same on the same crowd. <laughs> yeah, but it goes to show you, though, that if you actually put effort in, you actually try, you don't have to use everything under the sun and throw everything but the kitchen sink no. to get people to put, get something over. Like, they, those two guys got a double clothesline over that 80,000 people popped. Like, that, that, simple things like that, nobody does anymore. Uh, and again, fun matchup, ultimately, MJF and Adam Cole would win the ROH World Tag Team Championships. Not only got a double clothesline over, they won with a double clothesline. Yes. Who does that anymore? Well, especially with every other move in the book and weaponry that we saw on this show. Yeah. And so much blood, we will talk about that later on. Um, next matchup on the card, again for the pre-show, was for the FTW World Title, FTW Rules Match, which apparently Jordan didn't understand that actually happens with all the title matches. I, well, because they, they haven't really done this with most of them in the past. Uh, it was Hook challenging Jack Perry, who was the defending champion. This match went 8 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, they went through a car several times, back yeah, they, bumping. They, they got the money's worth out of the car they Oh, 100%. They they destroyed the hell out of that thing before coming back in the ring, and ultimately Hook got the, the Kazahajime, or the Red Rum, as he likes to call it, mm-hmm. on Jack Perry, got the tap, and one, two, three. Yeah. Well, not one, two, three, but... Well, tap, tap, tap. New champion. So, your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's strange that they kind of just derailed Jack's momentum as a fresh new heel already, but... I mean, I guess it works. It's fine. It makes sense because of they don't want to keep the title on him, and you know this might just be the end of that championship. And you can still do fun things with Jack Perry being a Hollywood esque better than you. I mean, without he, stealing MJF's gimmick, that is. I mean, he busted his ass in this. He got suplexed through the windshield of a car and sliced his shoulder up pretty good. And tried to put him. They tried to put him through the side. They tried to like ran him into the car door while it was open and tried to like bust it off the hinges. It didn't really work out, but. Nope. He still took the brunt of it. Uh, I mean, he worked. He worked his ass off. I mean, he's trying. I don't know if you could really say... I don't know if you could really say that the heel persona is getting over 100% like they would want it to, but he's trying. It's effort. Yeah, it's more effort than he's had in the last little while. Exactly. All he needs is a fresh coat of paint. Yeah. So we'll, we'll only see what happens in the future when it comes to Jack Perry and, you know, the history of the... the Obviously, Ring of Honor World Tag Titles. The FTW Championship. It's been a long day, folks. The ne- first matchup on the main card, though, was for the real World Heavyweight Championship. CM Punk defending his championship against Samoa Joe. This match went 14 minutes. Um, I'll say I'll, I'll say it right out the gate. Okay. There's too many fake championships in this company. <laughs> yeah, that was your first gripe as soon as this happened. There's too many... The FTW title technically is not even a real recognized championship for this company. These and now they're they're defending a a fake world title. So you're one of those people who, like it should just be in house titles defended at all times. 
if you want to recognize the FPW title as an official championship. Oh, no, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about Ring of Honor, the AAAs, the New, uh, New Japans. No, I don't have an issue with those because those are real championships. Those are officially recognized championships. The one that CM Punk is carrying is not. Well, in his mind, he is still considered the real world champion. He was never pinned for that title, and that's been his biggest gripe on television. Uh, him and Samoa Joe had a great match, I thought. Uh, no issues with that. CM Punk is just living his best life right now, you know, being the pseudo baby, pseudo heel, depending on the crowd's, uh, you know, fart oh, direction, this, fart direction that day. This this crowd hated his guts. Oh, they were he was he was here for it though. I mean, the Europeans are more smart fans. They always have been, so like they clearly are in the elite camp. So they were they were not having anything. CM Punk. He he did the double shoulder block, and I'm like, he's gonna start doing the goddamn John Cena thing. He almost did, but then he dropped the Hogan leg drop out of nowhere. Yes, absolutely. Because you know another. Oh, he also took a sick a sick fucking bump on the floor when he went to do a I guess I think it was a head scissors. Mm-hmm. And Joe did the classic thing where he would catch the guy and like swing him into the barricade, but only he swung him into the announce desk. And the bottom of his head he, went through the desk. And he went right through the front of the desk with the bottom of his head, and he came out, and he was a bloody mess already on the first match. We had blood. Yes, first of many times we would see the color red. Come and they did another funny spot, too, where he, Joe, they, they set up the, the spot where Joe always walks out of the way of the crossbody. It makes the guy look like an idiot, and he does the crossbody and just misses it. Punk was ready for it, so he he hit him with a head scissors, and then they went to the floor, and then they hit it on the floor where Joe just walked out of the way. Like, I got a good laugh out of that. So, the next thing that we're going to, before we kind of get into the next match, and of course, ultimately what's going to be happening, uh, Jordan, you don't even know about this, but we're starting a new thing here on the program. Uh, it's called, uh, is Jordan smarter than Meltzer? Because off air, all the fucking time, Jordan and I will talk to each other a couple of weeks after a pay-per-view, and when Meltzer finally releases the star ratings, Jordan usually doesn't care because he hates Meltzer. And uh, I'm like, do you want to know what the star ratings are? And we play this little back-and-forth game on the phone with each other, and he tries to guess or whatever. So what I'm going to have Jordan do is I'm going to have him give his own star ratings on these matchups, and then the next time when the Meltzer stars come out, we'll be able to do this on the air and compare Jordan's stars to Meltzer's stars. Oh, boy. So this should be a whole lot of fun. So before we kind of get too deep into the car, let's rewind real quick. The ROH tag titles, what would you have given that out of five? I can't really safely say that, though, because I've seen them late. Okay. I didn't really see much of it. Okay. I only saw, like, the, I only saw, like, the tail So dud. Perfect. Okay, we'll, we'll skip that one. I'll, the first official it, one will then will be Hook and Jack a, Perry. Not applicable, because I, I didn't see enough. Okay, so Jack Perry and Hook. Uh, solid three. I'll go with a solid three. Okay, solid three. Uh, Punk and Joe. Three and three and a half. I'll say three and a half. Okay, perfect. Next matchup on the card was a six-man tag team matchup with Kanosuke Kateshka. I can't say the name, goddammit. I'm just tongue-tied right now. Uh, and Bullet Club Gold. Uh, see, it's hard for me to talk right now. Of Juice Robinson and Jay White. Uh, taking on the team of the Golden Elite, Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Adam Page. This match went 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Honestly, they it didn't, they it didn't did a feel like it went twenty minutes. They did a lot in that twenty minutes, though. They like went through the playbook oh, of did. pro wrestling in that one match. Yeah, they definitely did, but it didn't feel long. I mean, I guess that's a testament. Where you, there's other matches where they feel long. This didn't feel like that. Yeah, there's certain people we were saying before with the whole Punk with the like getting the reaction he did. Omega felt like a star with yeah. these people, and yeah. I mean, it's the AEW crowd. It's you know whatever, but like. 
Omega feels like a different level of star sometimes when he comes out to the ring, and that's not me, you know, blowing him or anything like that. I've been a critique of his or a critic of his lately. Kota Ibushi um, looked like he was in better shape this time when he wasn't blood and guts, which we appreciate as well. And of course, you know, the Bang Bang Gang always doing well. Yeah, <laughs> Juice Robinson's psycho. <laughs> he's just a nutcase. He's so entertaining though. He's great. Uh, ultimately, it did get Takeshka actually getting the pick, the victory on Omega, getting the roll up one two three, getting out of there, uh, which of course will probably lead to a singles match with the two of them down the line. Who knows? Potentially at All Out. Uh, your thoughts on the match and your overall star rating? The heels, the heels needed to win this. Oh, hundred percent. Bullet Club Gold needed a win so Bullet, badly. Bullet Club Gold needed a win, and also Takeshka needed a win because the the elite have been winning all these big matches recently. So, like, if you're going to continue the story with Takeshi and Kenny Omega and Don Callis, like, you had, the heels had to get a win in this story. Right. So, the right team won. It was an entertaining six-man. I mean, it it did a tad go into the spot for spot for spot for spot for spot. A tad? Cliche. Well, it wasn't a tad. They did a lot of the spot for spot for spot for spot. You remember who the do. referee was for this, Yeah, right? it was Rick Knox, who actually had double duty and did two matches in a row, which you didn't really, you didn't really see him do. But they did go into the cliches with AEW matches, multi-man matches especially. Um, Jay White is fantastic. He's a star. Juice Robinson is so entertaining. If they do the right things with Takeshka, he could be a great heel, but Takeshka just kind of dropped the ball on him so far. So far, they could still... They could still salvage that. The, the, the writing's on the wall that you could take this now into All Out for Omega and Takeshka one-on-one. They're going to have to set something up for Dynamite, but like, it, was, it was a fine six-man. If I had to rate it something, a uh, star rating, I'd give it maybe, let's say three and, let's say another three and a half. A hard marker. Some I am people, a hard marker. Some people are going to say that. You realize Meltzer's going to come up with something much higher than that. Oh, he'll probably say it with four and a half, or right. four. Four to four and a half, he'll say. Okay. Next matchup on the card. You know what? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll throw him a bone. I'll say three and three quarters. Okay. Next match on the card was the AEW World Tag Team Championship. The final trilogy match was come to play here. Uh, we've been waiting a couple years for this. Uh, in my opinion, they should have done it a couple years ago, but they did not. But here we are at Wembley to do it. Uh, this matchup also featured FTR defending the Tag Team Championship against the Young Bucks. Went 21 minutes, 45 seconds. I thought it was fine. I mean, I at the end of it, like I was, I was biting on these near falls because I'm like, the Bucks need to lose, and I'm not just saying that because I'm not a big fan of the Bucks. It was just simply the fact that like they didn't need to win this match. They didn't need to win. Like FTR really need to solidify their championship reign. They need to continue more. And of course, there's now money on the table now with Bullet Club Gold getting that victory and you going to that trilogy and to finish that trilogy to go to all out and have something really cool between the two of those two teams. So. In my mind, like the the smartest answer would have been FTR to win this match. So like, yeah, yeah. the near fall, the near falls I was biting on. They were doing a lot of homages. Both of them they were for, using each other's finishers. Yeah, like the Bucks whipped out the which I now gets is back to being called the Shatter Machine. Yeah, apparently, like it had been called the big. Like I don't even know how long they've been doing that, but yeah, now it's it's the Shatter Machine again. It's not the big rig. Um, the FTR used the the double D trigger. On the Bucks a couple times, so like they were going tit for tat with that. There were some great near falls near the end of that match. Um, oh, they did a sweet spot where like I think it was Dax tried to like dive in midair to tag in Cash, 
and one of the Bucks super kicked him out of the, like yes. super kicked him he, off the he, corner. He beat him the punch. Yeah. yeah, like in midair when he dove for the tag. That was a great spot. Is it the best match out of the three that they've had? No. I think the second one was the best match, the one that they did on TV where it was for all the belts. Right. The first one was not good for how it went. This one was definitely, I say, would be second on the list, and the first one, first the best one would probably be the second match. But it wasn't bad. I think I agree with you. I think it was fine. It was it accomplished what it needed to do. The right team won. Now you can go on and make more money with them and Bullet Club Gold, and the Bucks can be whatever. They honestly don't need to be tag team champions. No. Like they're if they never had the belt again, they'd be fine. Yeah. Who knows what they're what they're going to be doing after this? Uh, next matchup of the card. Was Stadium Stampede, Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, best friends, and Penta, who changed gimmicks and no one cared in the middle of the match, uh, to take on the Blackpool Combat Club and Santana and Ortiz. This match went 21 minutes and 30 seconds. I think you even said, like, where'd Penta go? <laughs> like, I don't know where he went. And then all of a sudden, music randomly hit, like, who's coming out? And it's like, oh, it's Penta and Red. Yay. Because, <laughs> yeah, like you know, dark. He, he became dark and, like, more <laughs> evil. I'm like, yeah, because he, he was using weapons. Three minutes before that. Yeah. But whatever. Okay. Um, I, okay. Honestly, some parts. Some, some parts. parts so, okay, here. Some parts were fun. Yes. But fun doesn't always mean it's right. Right. So. <laughs> Ortiz. A couple times Ortiz looked like he was, he was annoyed to be there. I, like he really didn't look like he cared. Like he had the most blank expression on his face a few times when they got him in close-ups. Like he looked like he didn't want to be in the match. Eddie Kingston and Claudio, they just really need to tell that story a whole lot better for some of the people of, you know, why these two would, you know, piss on each other's brains. Or... E- yeah, have hated each other for 20-plus years almost now. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of said it a little bit, I believe, but like I, a flushed-out sit-down between the two of them with like a Jim Ross I think would be yeah, like... really well. And especially, like, you can build to, like, a seven, make some seven. Money. Yeah, like, make some money on, like, pay-per-view or something with that. Yeah. But, but lo and behold, Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, and the best friends, and I mean, Penta wound up getting the victory because Orange Cassidy's in the match, so therefore he usually wins. Yeah, with glass on his hand. Yeah, he did a goddamn tie pay spot. He had an orange punch with glass on his fist. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is... This is a pretty... Did you give your ranking for the last match? I didn't realize. Uh, I don't didn't. think I didn't. Okay, quickly. So for that one, I would probably say four and a quarter. I'll give it four and a quarter. Four and a quarter, okay. Yeah. All right, so the stadium stampede then, as you were. Go ahead. This is pretty much what you would expect. Yeah. Like, if the, the the Blackpool combat... If Moxley is in this match, you're going to get all the greatest hits of John Moxley. He, he bled out of nowhere. I don't even know how it happened. He was gone. He was off camera... For maybe like five, six minutes, and he came back, and he was just his his head was gushing blood. Well, we said it too. This match is a director's nightmare. Oh, they were. This is insane. A few of them were up at the top of the stadium. Yeah, like five hundreds. In like the the sky boxes, way up at the top of the stadium. Like I don't even people couldn't even see what was going on up there if it wasn't on the screen. I don't know. I mean, they had barbed wire bats. They had barbed wire boards. Moxley mauled fucking Orange Cassidy with a fork at one point. Yeah. He stabbed him at least like 13 or 14 times in the head. Good blood that didn't come from his head, too. It was nice. Yeah. I mean, it came afterwards. Came yeah. afterwards. Um, <laughs> These matches all just blend together after a while. Is it, is and it, that's my issue with this. Yeah, they're all the same. Is it Trent? Was it? Is it Trent's mom or it's is Trent, it Chuck's mom? It's Trent's mom. 
Trent's mom, Sue, like, what was her name? Sue. Sue yep. Made a cameo appearance. She brought a plate of pastries <laughs> that got used as a weapon. Like, this is ridiculous. Just saying it out loud. Oh, my God. Penta did a bump on the aisle way. Did a, a flip power bomb through a couple of people. You know what? You don't even just. You know what? They did everything. You just, they did everything under the they sun. They did everything under the sun. You're right, though. The, a lot After a time, a lot of these matches just blend together, and you can't tell them apart. Like, if you killed the, you had to watch this, Blood and Guts, and that last Anarchy in the Arena match you did, you would not have any idea which one came first, second, or third, or if they all happened at the same time. No. They're all the same. Anarchy, everybody bleeds, there's barbed wire, there's glass, there's thumbtacks, it's all the same thing. Your rating. being generous I'm, I'm being generous. i think you're being you know generous. what i'll be honest. I, don't, I don't want i don't want to sway your vote no, you know anything. what no no you're right i'll be honest two <laughs> okay two next match this was it was a mess it was a convoluted mess well this matchup wasn't uh it did exactly what they were always planning on doing let's be honest it was the four-way match for the aw women's world's championship uh between soraya taking on tony storm dr Britt baker and hikaru shida walking in as the champion Match went 8 minutes 50 seconds. It felt longer, now that I say That's that That's not loud. a good thing. It felt longer than what it was. And, of course, they did the Soraya-Tony Storm official, I'm assuming, breakup of the outcast. With Ruby. Ruby. To- Tony accidentally decked Soraya's mom, and Soraya lost her shit on her. Um, Ruby came down because she was... Uh, trying to save tried, her neck. She tri- yeah, she tried to, like, stomp Soraya into the uncovered turnbuckle. She's like, no, 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 her neck. You're going you're gonna to hurt her neck. And then she kind of just punched Ruby in the face, and then she just was like, the hell with this, and then walked off. Yep. She flew to London for that. Uh, oh, and then the finish. Soraya spray, spray paints, uh, sprayed the green spray paint in Tony Storm's face and stole the win from her. Yeah, while Britt Baker was trying to put on the, the lockjaw lock on Hikaru. Yeah, so of course Soraya gets the victory. You saw it coming a mile away, like weeks oh, ago, when yeah, it came to this. She's the hometown girl. Of course, she was gonna walk. Just because win. she was the right person to probably win for that audience at that time, should she have actually won that match? No, no. Again, I I I said the same thing after it was over. I was like, was was she the only option to win for the crowd? Yeah. Did she deserve it? Not really. Like her style hasn't really met. That's why people turned on her. Because her style does, and doesn't really mesh with the AEW audience. Mm. Like, she, her style was tailor-made for the WWE audience. Well, speaking of, well, your star rating on this. Uh, the overall with this is, like, I, it's unfortunate for me to say, but, like, it didn't really seem like anybody cared. It didn't really seem like the crowd cared that much until she won. Well, no, they, ca- they cared for the entrance. And they, they cared, cared for, for the entrance and the win, but, like, everything that happened in between, it didn't really seem like they cared that much for it. Fair enough. And, like, for me, it's... I, either like that's it's kind of a constant problem they have with the women's division where they don't they don't put enough behind it where you actually care to see what's gonna happen so your stars one and a half okay next matchup on the card was definitely something out of uh aew's playbook it was a coffin match where we only had to shove one of the opponents out of the two into the coffin uh, between Darby Allen and Sting, taking on Swerve, Str- Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage, this match went 16 minutes. They beat the fuck out of that coffin. Like, 
suplexes and slams and surprised that somebody even bit in it at the end. Like there was one bump that freaking Swerve did, and like the the dents of the 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 coffin lid was pointing up almost into a sharp peak. And I thought he was going to break his spine, which that wasn't what broke his spine. It was Sting jumping on his spine through a table when he was break. face first because it didn't break the first time. So he's like, sorry, kid, I'm about to cripple you. Yeet. And then went right <laughs> through his back. He sat ass first right in his spine. I just was like, It was the scorpion. The, with the, move, the one you were talking about was when he got the scorpion death drop on top of the, can- the, oh, the coffin. That was Yeah, gross. it was all mushed out of shape and it had like a big peak in the middle. Overall, though, Darby Allen Sting get the victory. They slammed the lid on Swerve Strickland, of course, setting up later for Darby Allen and Christian, sorry, excuse me, Luchasaurus at All Out uh, for the TNT Championship. But your thoughts on Cyrus? It was what it was. It was fine. It was entertaining. Um, Sting, I don't know how much longer Sting has it in him. I mean, like, he'll keep going until he can't, obviously. Like this, if this is the last time Sting ever wrestled, it would have been a great way for him to go out in front of a crowd this big. Um, stars, I'd probably give it a solid three. Fair enough. Maybe three and a quarter. I'd say three, yeah, three and a quarter. Okay. Next matchup was a singles matchup, um, a match that no one ever expected to happen. Then, then it happened. Uh, it was between Will Ospreay with Don Callis taking on Chris Jericho with Sammy Guevara in his corner. Went 14 minutes, 55 seconds. Uh, fine. I mean, I would like to see Osprey more of a match that suits more of his talent. But, of course, with the age and limitabilities of Chris Jericho, you can only I, do so much. Yeah. But at the same time, too, for what they could do, I'm I, still, I was still happy with what I got. I didn't mind it because, uh, to me, it shows a little bit of versatility that uh, Will Ospreay is able to have a different type style of match than the one he normally has. Right. Like, he was able to have a much slower-paced, much more deliberate-style match with someone who is older than him and does have to kind of carry a little bit to make some improvements and keep up. So I'm not opposed to that. I actually, again, like being able to see that they can have versatility and not just have the same type of match over and over and over again. It's weird because I don't really... <laughs> going into it, I would have assumed that Jericho was the babyface because Will Ospreay was paired with Don Callis who had just turned on Jericho like a couple weeks prior but the way they went through the match Jericho was pretty much the heel like Sammy Guevara was helping him cheat at ringside he hit fucking Will Ospreay with a bat at one point well they were probably just like oh so well, we're in the UK so naturally you gotta be the babyface even though we've been the leading up to TV weeks was the yeah was me being the babyface yeah like there was a he, he low blowed him at one point it's like he basically did everything heel possibly could do but yeah will osprey got the win the right guy won again jericho didn't need this win do you see more stuff in the future with now with osprey and what I do you do of, i kind of have to believe there will be like he made mention that he's a free agent in six months from new japan like i i can't i can't in good conscience believe that tony khan is not going to throw him a monster offer yeah. once his contract with New Japan is over. So, I, yes, I do think he'll probably end up in AEW at some point when he's done with New Japan. What do you do after that? I don't know. That depends on where everybody's positioned at that point. Fair enough. And your stars? Eh, three, solid three and a half. Alright, next matchup on the card, it was a House of Black House Rules match, which uh, the challengers chose no holds barred because... 
We haven't seen that 1,600 times tonight already. We need another one of those. Uh, For the AEW World's Trios Tag Team Championships, uh, with Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed challenging the House of Black, this match only went 10 minutes and 50 seconds. It didn't feel as big as it should have. It it didn't. And, of course, they were pushing those facts of, like, he quit when he retired. Does he still got it? They bring him back as bad as Billy Gunn. You know, he wants to win the one more big championship before he winds up retiring. He wants to do it with his sons, who aren't really his sons. <laughs> and how fired up he got at the fact that they destroyed his boots. Yeah. After he took him off and left him in the ring, it was like, it, it, they kind of just worked it like a regular match you'd see on, like, Dynamite. House of, Bla- Collision. House of Black came out with, uh... White. White. All in white. I guess it's, like, kind of maybe a, a tribute. They, they sent a commentary, it was like a tribute to Bray Wyatt. I'm not really sure how. Yeah. But whatever, to each his own. Yep. Um, of course... Again, fine matchup. I thought, you know, they, again, did what they could very, very quickly in that Julia matchup. Julia Hart took a bump. She got the she got the scissor leg drop. Yeah. And then ultimately we, we have new trios champions with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. And I mean, they get of, on the microphone. Oh, they of course, they did the, the bump, as you were saying before, with the scissors with uh, Julia Hart. But the, and the finish kind of fell flat because they did like a, a triple team, like a triple combination of moves on Brody Lee. Or not Brody Lee, on Brody King. And then he kicked out of one, and then they just did the same thing again and beat him. So, like, he kind of took the wind out of the crowd. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, no, we got to look him strong, and you got to hit him twice to beat No, like, your crowd's on your side. You hit the finish. The crowd's with you for the finish. Go home. You know? Yeah, like, you didn't have to kick out at one. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, it didn't feel as big as it should have with the way the build had made it out to be, but, like, it is what it is. I knew, I knew they were going to win. I knew the acclaim were going to take the belt. To me, the six-man titles were still a bad idea. There's not enough. There's not enough three-man units in that company to make it work. Like there's the two we saw, and then maybe one other one. Like the best, the best friends, Orange Cassidy. That's maybe that's about it. And the elite sometimes. Star ratings again. I I give it another solid three. Okay. A lot of people are gonna be like coming for your head with some of these star ratings. I'm, I'm being sure. honest. I'm not biased. Next matchup on the card was the main event of the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match featuring MJF, the devil, coming out with uh, a throne, people bowing to him. All women. All women. A beautiful robe. Love the, the jacket robe thing that he had on. Uh, and, of course, Adam Cole. Uh, this match went 29 minutes uh, from start to finish, then to restart to finish, uh, as we will get to in a second. MJF and, of course, Cole have started off wearing their shirts, uh, showing the better than you, baby. Of course, for plug and you know to show their their seriousness as time went on. Uh, Adam Cole definitely became the aggressor and the heel throughout this matchup. MJF, well, they were you know contemplating the fact of like should I, should I not do my tactics to be able to win this matchup? But Adam Cole had no problem doing some of those things. He was playing into the fact that he said that there's that he needed to win and there wasn't anything he wouldn't do to make sure he would win. Yep. Of course, uh, they would call for a double clothesline, which means they clothesline each other. Uh, pin each other, one, two, three. Match gets restarted. Cole wants five more minutes. MJF says no, but then ultimately he says no, we want more than we're five. Going we have a we're going until we have a winner. And then they wind up doing that. They restart. Roderick Strong comes down. They do a little Referee fun. Referee gets knocked down. Referee gets knocked down. They do a little fun things with the chair, the belt, the whole nine yards. But ultimately. Tombstone on the announce table. Oh, yeah. Quickly with a spot. The suplex on the steps. Okay. Here's where I had a holy ma- shit. MJF died in this match. Oh yeah, he took the worst. He took the worst abuse out of the two. Here's where I have an issue. 
There's a horrible flaw in logic after that suplex on the, from the ring steps. So MJF the fact was, he was breathing? That, <laughs> and MJF was out cold on the floor. The referee's doing the count. Now, bear in mind, Adam Cole is the challenger. Right. You can't win the title by countout. Right. We're getting up to, like, seven, eight, nine. And nine. Like, MJF is not moving. The challenger had no urgency to get out of the ring, pick up the champion, and put him back in the ring. He sat there and watched the referee count, like, literally willing to almost take a count out. When you can't win the title by countout, thus contradicting everything he said leading up to this, that there isn't anything I won't do. I need to win this title. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Anything else that you just hated, or? That's not that or I just... hated it. Is it doesn't make sense. Explain to me how that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. I'm just, you know, like you just, I you get... just get very heated about that. Well, because like that one blatant logic flaws happen that like almost insult my intelligence like it's insults my intelligence insults my intelligence the i mean i get if they were trying to go with the fact that it's like well mjf is clearly the baby face in this position and they always do the baby face spot where the baby face has to beat the count at the last second but if you're the champion why would the other guy not want to get you in the ring because you can't win the title by count out but regardless of that I mean, we got to the end, there was a bunch of more teasing about, like, who's going to cheat to beat who, like, MJF pulled up the diamond ring out of his trunks, yep. thought about it, thought otherwise, Roderick came back, tossed Adam Cole the belt, he thought about it, changed his mind, thought otherwise, and then, small package, MJF gets the win. Huge reaction. So thus, you can now roll with the fact that, like, if, if Adam Cole had just went to the dark side for that one quick second, he would have been the champion. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was the the post match afterwards where MJ's like, "Just hit me already, you know you want to." Turn his back, and Roddy's like, "Just nail him, do it, do it, do it." I'm your best friend. I'm your best friend. Drops the title. Looks like maybe he's even gonna go for a super kick. Doesn't. They do the hug. You know, obviously continuing this romance between the two of them, which I think is even the right call because there's money still on the table between these two, and if done properly, Tony Khan. This could be the best thing that you've ever booked when it comes to storyline-wise. To me, it's still Punk and MJF, the best story that you've ever told. Mm-hmm. So we will see how this turns out as the months and uh, weeks and days progress when it comes to this. So, But uh, overall, then, your star rating for this, and then just your overall opinion of 2023's all-in in comparison now to the 2019. Other than that, like, weird logic that didn't make any sense. It's still a good wrestling match. Still some nice psychology with the whole who's gonna turn on who aspect of it. Right. So I'd say I'd give it a four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. Okay. Yeah, I'd give it a four and a quarter. And then it goes compared to 2019. Oh, it was a vastly better show than 2019. And you're not just talking about production, the crowd, stuff like that. No, you're... the better matches, better overall everything. Better presentation. Everything was better than 2019. Now, granted, one can be like, well, how can you really compare? They didn't really have a lot of the budget back then. But if, now they a got great a... wrestling show doesn't have to be about budget, no, though. No, no, it doesn't. You're right. This one is just also a lot of the workers 
felt like they were more comfortable in their own skin because they've been on television, they've been in front of crowds weekly now. Yeah, like more maturity stuff. Like you know, yeah, you're a lot of them have MJF, Britt Baker. Yeah, a lot of them have grown and become. They better understand who they are in the ring and who they are as a character. So like, it's almost like night and day when you're watching some of these people from back then as compared to now. So bottom line, we definitely wanted to be able to tell you guys if you haven't checked out the replay, I think this is one of the better AEW shows that they put on this year. I think this and Forbidden Door, in their own ways, were probably their best two shows, which is good for them. That means they're rolling two for two in a row so far, at least in my books. Um, whether that will be the same thing with All Out coming out in literally just one week's time, um, that remains to be seen. Of course, only a couple matches announced for that, but... They're determined that they're going to get the crowds for the buy rates and stuff like that to happen again. So they better have a goddamn good main event to be able to sell for that in just a week's time. But Are they even going to have a real main event? Cause like, I don't know. Because like all the main event guys that worked on this show, like are they all are they just going to do it again in seven days? Like I don't think MJF's going to be on All Out. I, I think he will. In a match? I don't like, know. I think, I think he's there. Like I said, I think there might be the... The idea of him and Cole taking on the kingdom for the ROH tag titles. They're going to have to kickstart that quick. Well, yeah, because you have a week. Yeah, they got three shows to do something to get that set up. Tony, like in the last two weeks, like, oh yeah, I got a pay-per-view in Wembley I got to book. And then and, forgot there was one seven days after. And then there's one seven <laughs> days after, so who knows what's going to happen with that. So, I mean, for all the criticisms that we say, they're like, you know what, AEW does entertain us in a way that sometimes WWE doesn't. There's other times we just want to pull out our fucking hair. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we didn't make you pull out your hair when it comes to this show. I know we ran a little bit long, but of course we had a lot to cover between two different reviews, uh, giving our thoughts of, of the passings of Wyndham Rotunda and, of course, Terry Funk. And it's just been a cluster of a show at this point with uh, many stop and goes throughout the last few days. We are going to end it off here. Jordan, I know there's nothing for you to plug for yourself. I have a huge announcement. I would like to formally announce that next week, you probably noticed at the very beginning of the show, we had absolutely no theme song. And um, that is because we have finally done away with our song that we've been using for the last several episodes. And by several, I mean several hundred episodes of what it feels like at this point. King Moon Racer is uh, a band here in Oshawa that is um, a part of with Gentleman Jeff. And uh, they are going to be having an amazing concert coming up on November the 12th. With, of course, at um, Anvil, which, of course, will be at the Rock Pile. You can get tickets from them. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because we'd like to officially announce that King Moose Racer, King Moon Racer, is going to be the official theme song sponsor here of the show for the foreseeable future. So, Just One Bullet will be the new theme song when it comes to Schwa Wars in the future. So, definitely check out all their stuff on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes. If you see Gentleman Jeff, Support him, buy you know a CD, go to the shows and stuff like that too. And of course, like I said, in the future episodes, starting from next week moving forward, you'll be hearing that Just One Bullet by King Moon Racer as the official theme song for Schwa Wars podcast. So that is a huge thing for us, so I'm very, very excited to be able to make that announcement. Now I'm rambling at this point. We are getting really long. Uh, next week on the program... At this point, it's a crapshoot. We'll see what comes out. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Adam Hayes. Thank you very much. We'll catch you on the next one.